We're going to read together from Ezekiel 37. It's going to come up on the screen for you. <clears throat> this is actually a passage on revival. Anyone here interested in revival, by the way? Anyone like a bit of personal revival? Okay, here we go. This is, this is, all, this is what this is all about. So the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. I was full of bones. You know, I feel a little bit like Ezekiel. Hand of God has come upon me and you, and he set me in a valley. There's so many dry bones in the valley. Not you guys, because you're here. There's a lot of dry bones in the church today. So maybe you're an Ezekiel as well. We need a lot of Ezekiels. We really do. Can you take that mantle upon yourself? Because Ezekiel changes the whole situation. Let's read on. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. It could be you this morning, I hope not, but if it is, by the end of the service, you're not going to be dry anymore. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Verse 5, I'm not sure it's on your screen, but thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I'll cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. Then we go down to verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, and you can do this, friends, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, i oh, sorry, go on to verse 9. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds of breath and breathe on these slain. Many are slain, folks, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath came into them and they lived and they stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army in Jesus' name. And everyone said, okay, let's go. Sit down, please. Thanks. Have a grab, a seat this morning. So Ezekiel 37 is a Babylonian graveyard. Hopes have died here. Dreams have died here. It's a place of defeat and despair and destruction. I wonder if there's anybody here in the house or online today and you're facing a graveyard, a graveyard of sickness, a graveyard of, of uh, lost love in your marriage, a graveyard in your family, a graveyard in your circumstance, a graveyard of, uh, of addiction, whatever it might be. I wonder if there's someone here that is in a graveyard because this is the situation that we're facing right now. It's a valley of hopelessness. It's a valley of despair. It's a valley that, wow, is there any hope, any chance of things coming right? Can I remind you today that there was a, another graveyard 2,000 years ago when a man by the name of Jesus was dead and buried, and it seemed like an absolutely hopeless situation. But then there came a sound like a rattling, and Jesus rose from the dead on the third day because death, no grave could hold Jesus down. You know, this is the resurrection of Jesus that we're talking about, which is a cornerstone of Christianity, which is basically saying to you, there is no grave that I can't bring back to life. 
There's no graveyard too hard for our God to bring to life. He is a God of resurrection. He can resurrect your situation, no matter how hopeless it may seem. Friends, that is the whole message. That is a foundation. That is a cornerstone of Christianity. Don't ever think for one moment that your graveyard is beyond your God to bring back to life. They say that Jesus turns up at every tomb of Lazarus. And he's get ready for him to turn up to your tomb as well. You know, we read on there in verse 11 and to 13. He said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel or the church. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O oh my people, I will open your graves, cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O oh my people, and brought you up from your graves. Yep, he's the one that sets people free from their grave. So Ezekiel right here is in captivity. He may be in his darkest hour, his darkest moment. I don't know what it might be. But it's in the valley that the hand of God comes upon him. It's in your valley, friends, that the hand of God rests upon you. Don't let the devil ever tell you that God has abandoned you in the midst of your valley, that, that God has left you alone. No, God is with you. He is Emmanuel. He will never abandon you. No matter how dark, how deep, how difficult your situation, God is with you. And long as God is with you, there is a future. There is a hope. There are good days ahead of you. God, tell a person next to you, God has not abandoned you. Because sometimes we think that, don't we? <laughs> you know, all Ezekiel could see is dry bones. What do you see in your situation? All he could see was defeat. All God could see was a mighty army and victory. Which lens have you got on today? Is it the lens of defeat and hopelessness, or is it God's lens of victory and triumph and overcoming and coming out of your grave? You see, we need to have in the eyes of faith in our situation, whatever we are in today. God is bigger than your giants. God is bigger than your problem. God is the answer, and he's still the God of resurrection. You know, one of the things that happens when we go through valleys is we discover God in ways we've never seen him before. You know, so in your valley, you may discover God as a provider, which you may not have needed before, but now you know he's your provider. You may discover him as your healer. You may discover him as the one who heals the brokenhearted. You may discover him as a God of breakthrough. You may discover him as a, the God who, you know, who answers prayer. Whatever it is, God reveals himself to you, and those become your life messages because that's the God you really know. There's a lot about God we have here, but through our valleys, we get God here. And when we say to someone, you've been healed, you say, God can heal you, there's impact, there's impartation. When you had God provide you in the depths of your financial broke, brokenness, you say to someone, God can provide for you, you've got faith, and there's an impartation of your, in your message of what you say. So what you learn in valleys is so, so valuable. 
You know, some of the things I've been through in my life, when I tell people God can get you through the deepest struggles in your life, I can speak that with authority because I've been through deep struggles and God has got me through. I can say to people, God can help you through the deepest hurt in your life because I've been hurt deeply in my life and my God has brought me through. So when I tell people that it's not from here, it's from here, from my spirit, something happens. I can tell people that the best thing you could ever do with your life is to sell out 100% for God and he'll bring you into a fruitful, blessed and satisfying life. I can preach that because to a large measure, certain measure, I've done that. And I know that it's true. You see, these things become your life messages. So, you know, don't, don't despise the valley. God's doing something in your valley that is just so important and so, so valuable. You see, what you learn about God in the valley surpasses, or your student surpasses anything you'll ever hear from a preacher like me or a podcast. Because all that stuff is somebody else's revelation. Your faith is built on your personal revelations of God. And that's what you need more than anything else. And sadly, a lot of that is what you get in the valley. (laughs) So thank God for your valley. But I want to talk for a few minutes this morning and focus on dryness. Because over the last couple of years... Through COVID, pandemic, lockdown, shutdown, knockdown, you know, through all the battles that we've faced, you know, there's struggle after struggle. There's not been a lot of wins. There's been a lot of losses. Uh, Things have gone south instead of gone north. And we've got anxiety. We've got fear. We've got worry. We've got, you know, it's just stuff all around us. And so a lot of people are dry. Uh, Am I talking to anybody in this place? Is somebody with me here today? Or do you want me to just talk about the fact that we're all on a mountaintop? Which one do you want to hear about? The valley or the mountaintop? I think we'll go with the valley. I think we'll talk about dryness because this is what I think a lot of us are facing. A lot of people in the church today, online, in-house, are facing today. And we need to, need to discuss this for a few minutes because Matthew 12, 43. Now listen to this really carefully. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places. Seeking rest. Finds none. The enemy is seeking dry Christians. People who have lost the fire. They're kind of around, but they're not alive. They're not on top of their game. It's dry. And that's what the enemy does. And so he, to keep his access to you, to run right in your house and your home, your life, He's got to keep you dry. So he works really hard at keeping you dry. How does he keep you dry? He keeps you too busy. (laughs) He keeps you tired. Anybody tired in the house? He keeps you weary. And when all of these things happen, friends, you become like an opportunity for the enemy to start doing things in your life that you don't want him to do. Because when you're dry, you also struggle emotionally. You become a bit more irritable than before. Just ask the person next to you, are you irritable? (laughs) Just asking, just asking. So he keeps you so tired that you lose your smile 
You lose your joy. And when you're dry, you really, you know, you, what happens when you're dry? Your defenses are weaker. So you're more susceptible to compromise, to sin, to drifting away from God. That's what happens when you're dry. You know, you, you're in less, in, you'll be in church less often. You'll be praying less often because you're dry. And the more dry you are, the more and the enemy has access. Your mind starts to think things it shouldn't think. You start to look at things you shouldn't look at. You start to do things you shouldn't do. Why? Because dryness has come into our hearts and come into our lives. Another thing when we're dry is we don't want to serve. <laughs> and what happens then? Well, if you don't pour out in serving, God doesn't pour in and you become more dry. It's, it's really a vicious cycle, isn't it? And so the enemy's gonna do everything in his power to keep you dry, but I'm doing, gonna do everything in my power to fill you up with the Holy Spirit, set you on fire, so you drive the enemy out of your life, that the dryness goes, the spirit comes, the fire comes, and the devil, he's on the run, and he'll leave you alone and go start looking for someone else. But you don't want him looking for you. So we've got to get ourselves filled up, and we're going to talk about that in a few, few moments. So the devil walks through dry places, so don't let your home become dry. Don't let your family become dry. Don't let your personal life become dry. Don't let your job become dry. Don't let your relationships become dry. <laughs> None of us are like dry people, do we? People that are dry, they're just dry. I was in a restaurant oh, a while ago now in Wellington, and the waiter was as dry, I mean, so dry, I'm, I'm surprised he could even stand up. It was just dry. And honestly, when we were ordering it, he was absolutely not interested whatsoever. You know, he's asking you for your meal, what would you like for your meal? You know, he's not even looking at you. And just, just remember, we're looking at each other thinking, man, what is wrong with this guy? And uh, he went away and then he came back and no, no change in him at all. And so uh, eventually I said, so what is your name? What do you do with yourself? How's your job going? You know, what's your family? He started to change. He started to change. Hey, call people. If you want people to change, call them by name. Very simple trick. All right? Make sure you get the name right the second time you talk to them too. All right. It's just a little tip. But hey, no one likes dry people, do they? There's only one person who likes dry people. It's the devil. Because he can mess with dry people. So how do you come out of dryness? Well, God gives us a key, and it's found in John 7, 37 and 38. Let me read it to you. On, that, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. He said, if anyone thirsts, in other words, you're dry, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So this is the last day of the feast, all right? Think about this. They've done all the religious stuff. They've done that. They've been to church, <laughs> but... Once again, religion has not delivered. Religion will never, ever deliver. So it says here, Jesus cries out. It actually means Jesus shouts. You can go deep, it says Jesus screams. And he says, if anyone thirsts, and I'm asking you in this house today, is anyone thirsty for more of God? Give me a wave. Give me a wave around. If you're, because Jesus cries out, he says, if anyone thirsts, come to me and drink. 
Now, if Jesus turned up and stood here in place of me and said, if anyone thirsts, come to me and drink, come to the altar, how many of you would run to the altar? We'd all run to the altar, wouldn't we? If Jesus said that, well, guess what? Jesus has just turned up in the house and he is here today and he is saying to you, if any man thirsts, if anyone in this place thirsts in this place, anyone in the, on the line thirsts in this place, he says, come, come and drink. He screams. He's, what does he scream? I think to get the attention of dry people, you actually have to scream. <laughs> you know, you just you wake them up like, well, what's going on in this place? Yeah. Come and drink, he says. It's a strong invitation. So we go to John 4, 13 to 14. Jesus said to the woman at well, whoever drinks of this water from the well will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. This is a strong invitation for you to be filled today and come out of dryness, filled with the Spirit and walk in victory. Now, some people have tried everything to quench their thirst. You know, most of us are thirsty because we want more. And so what do they do? They go to, they run with the wrong crowd. They get into porn. Uh, they get into a bit of compromise, uh, you know, wrong relationships or whatever it might be. Or they, they you know, endless, endless movies uh, or just live on the net or live on video screens or whatever it might be, you know, drugs, alcohol, booze, whatever it might be. They do all that. At the end of it, what? They're actually more thirsty. They're more thirsty. You know why? Because those things cannot satisfy the inner longings of our heart. So Jesus said, no, 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 no. You drink of that water, you're going to thirst again. But he's saying, I've got some water. <laughs> if you drink of that, you will never thirst again. Drink of the river of God. Drink of the spirit of God. Drink of the, what God, has off, God offers us. You see, only Jesus can satisfy the deepest longings of the heart. I pray to God every person in this house and online gets that revelation that only Jesus can satisfy the deepest, everything you're longing for. You, you may be longing for A, B, C, D, and E. No, wrong. Forget all that stuff. Only Jesus can satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. But the point is this, friends, we need to get that revelation. See, I've got that revelation. I know that. I understand that. But a lot of people don't. When you understand that, you rest, live the rest of your life pursuing God with everything you've got. Everything you got, because you know he's the only one that can satisfy you. When you don't have that revelation, you go pursuing it in every other direction. And unfortunately, it never provides or never gives us the answer. So verse 15 of John 4 says, Sir, give me this water that I may thirst. Well, she's smart, the woman at the well. She said, hey, I want the water that you can give me. Then what happens is Jesus connects dryness with the answer to dryness. Worship. Worship. Singing and music. So verse 24, God is spirit, same chapter, John 4, all about the woman at the well, all about who's, who's that's thirsty, and to drink of water that will you know, satisfy. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Do you know in this passage, Jesus, well, on one version anyway, Jesus eight times speaks about water, and eight times he speaks about worship. The key to coming out of Dryness, one of the major significant keys, I believe, is music and is worship. Worshiping God in spirit and in truth. It's a tool that's not difficult for us to do. It's a very easy thing for us to do. But you know, when we begin to, to worship God, 
the dryness dissipates, the water of God begins to fill us up, the Spirit of God begins to fill us up, we come out of dryness and we step into the presence of God, the power of God, the fire of God, and the dryness goes, and then the dryness goes and the Spirit comes, the devil goes at the same time. Because he looks for dry places. If you're filled with the Spirit, he's gonna run a mile from you because that's not what he's looking for. He's after the dry places. So in times of seeing, can I encourage you to begin to learn to give it 100%. You know, make the sacrifice of praise. Focus, concentrate all your energy like you're hopefully doing now, listening to this message. You're totally engaged in what is being said, even taking notes. I can't see that, but anyway, never mind. And the spirit will so the question I need, you need to ask yourself, I need to ask myself this question. When I sing, am I really worshiping? Am I really, honestly, truly worshiping the Lord? Because uh, worship not only brings you out of dryness, but it makes a way for the Holy Spirit to come upon you in your valley and to bring victory and breakthrough. Because Isaiah 61 says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Make that you. When you're worshiping, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you to heal the broken heart, to set the captive free, to open the prison doors, to give beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. So when you worship and the Spirit comes on you, that's the moment you can get your breakthrough, your victory, your healing, deliverance, whatever you are. But you have to know how to worship. You have to learn how to worship in your life. Don't forget Paul and Silas. <laughs> how did they get their victory? In the deepest valley. It couldn't get much deeper. They sang praises to God. They worshiped him. They sang hymns to the Lord. And God gave a mighty deliverance. Don't forget Jehoshaphat facing that tremendous army against insurmountable odds. When they began to sing and worship, God said ambushes and a mighty army was defeated. Don't forget the walls of Jericho. When did they come down? When they shouted, I guess a shout of praise to God. So right throughout Scripture, friends, we see that when we, and this is my point I'm going to try and make today, when we really worship, when we really sing, full focus, full concentration, full engagement, heaven opens, God comes, victories take place, dryness goes, you're filled with the Spirit, you're filled with the fire, you go out and you change the world. When you really, really worship. You're saying, why are you yelling so much, Pastor? Because Jesus yelled, if any man thirst, come and drink. Hope you can hear me online as well. It's pretty loud in this place. So, <laughs> worship gets the water flowing. Really flowing. So, if the worship is what it should be, it should be like this heavy, torrential downpour of rain in a church service. It should be so powerful. The water has just come in an astronomical way, in an amazing way. You know, you've heard downpours of late, haven't you? Just think of that as a worship service because everyone's right into it. They're worshiping with everything they've got. And when there's that downpour, when that water flows, you can be sure there's going to be miracles, signs and wonders. There's going to be the outbreak of the Holy Spirit. I believe when we really learn to worship, when I really learn to worship, God is going to come. Lives are going to be changed. Healings are going to take place. Miracles and breakthroughs are going to happen. So here's my thought for you and me today. I know you can sing but can you worship? 
I know you can play an instrument, but can you worship? It's a different question, isn't it? I know you can clap, but can you worship? I know you can shout, but can you worship? Worship means you're connected with your God. You're engaged with him. His presence comes. He's got your 100% attention. That's when we are really worshiping because God is looking for those who will worship in spirit and in truth. You see, as you come to pour out to God, guess what? He's going to pour into you. The more you pour out to God, the more he's going to pour in to you. See, spectator church doesn't deliver what we're after. Never has. It never will. It just won't do the job. But unfortunately, spectator church is incredibly common across the Western world today. So people come and they leave unchanged. Still dry. Still battling. Still struggling. There's no miracle. There's no breakthrough. There's no answer to prayer. There's no encounter. Because spectator church is deadly. It's deadly. It's a killer. It's destructive. (laughs) And I'm guilty as well. I'm not just getting at you. I'm talking to the church across the Western world, maybe the rest of the world as well. But one good thing I want to say to you today is that we're starting to hear of encounters in this church. It's really exciting. Just from Team Unlimited that we had a few weeks ago, we did an encounter session. Let me just give you three testimonies, probably out of 20 or 30 or 40, I don't know how many you were. Let me just give you three. One person came in absolutely overwhelmed by pressure and stress and struggling and battling. They said in in that, that service there, they said, I had an encounter with God. And it's like all the weight of pressure and been lifted off me, and I left. I'm adding the words to it. I left a different person. Friends, that can be for all of us in every single service. Another person came up to me and said, oh, man, through pandemic and that, you know, it's like the, 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 the river or the, the flow of the Spirit. It's just, it's just gone down, so, you know, somewhat dry. They said, they came up to me at the end of that session. They said, I just feel filled up. And, and alive again, the dryness is kind of gone and the spirit has come. That's two. The third one, another person said to me on the actual night that not a lot happened, but I said to them, don't worry about when it doesn't happen tonight, it's probably going to come tomorrow. Sure enough, they got up next morning. There's 10 spent on time with God. They said the presence of Jesus was so real. Who's encouraged, folks? God is moving in Church Unlimited. People are encountering God. People are worshiping in spirit and in truth, and they're starting to meet with God in powerful and profound and wonderful ways. I know a pastor (laughs) who backslid seven times. I think it was before he became a pastor. Backslid seven times, and guess what happened? He went on. And that time, that time built Australia's biggest church of thousands of people. So he was dry and barren, all the rest of it, got himself sorted out, built this massive church. Can I just say this to you folks? Never give up on anyone. Never, tell the person next to you, never give up on anyone. 
because you just don't know that that rascal, that rat bag, that problem causer, that compromiser is going to be raised up by God to do the mighty works of God, to be used powerfully by the Holy Spirit and to serve God in amazing and incredible ways. Bit like the woman at the well, was it? Have I got it right? Had all these husbands, or and now she's got to live in all the rest of it. God says, "Ha ha, you're you're my you're my candidate to lead a revival." We would write her off. God says, "No, this is my woman for a revival. Never, ever, ever write anyone off, because you just don't know what God is going to do." All right, we're going to start bringing this thing into into a conclusion right now. Are you all right out there, by the way? We're going to give you a chance to worship, so I'm going to take too long on this. I'll wrap this up, and then we're going to have a chance to <clears throat> get rid of the dryness. <clears throat> Do not leave here. Still dry. Yeah. All right? Do not leave here without the fire burning in your spirit, uh, because that's what God has for you. So verse 4, back to Ezekiel 37, says, dry bones hear the word of the Lord. So <laughs> dry bones, Ezekiel, stop talking about the bones. Stop talking about the valley. Talk to the bones. Talk to the bones. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Yep, talk about your valley, but then start talking to your valley. Talk about your mountain, sure, but then start talking to your mountain. Mark eleven twenty three. you know it well. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So talk to your mountain. You need to start to prophesy to your family. Start speaking. <clears throat> start saying, all my family will be saved. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I am more than a conqueror. By his stripes I am healed. God will supply all my needs. What the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it for good. I am more than a conqueror. I'm the head and not the tail. Friends, begin to speak into your life. Begin to speak into your situation. Begin to declare the word of God. And you know what? As you do that, your life begins to line up with the word of God. The more you declare the word of God, the more your life moves in the direction of the word of God. So we need to learn, and we're going to do this at the end of the service very, very shortly. So you're not denying your situation. All you're doing is you're choosing the promise of God over your problem. That's all that you're doing. All right, verse 7, the bones came together. <laughs> you're going to prophesy. My family's coming together. My finances are coming together. My health is coming together. You know, my, my struggle is coming right. Whatever it is, begin to speak to it because the bones came together. Together, It seems to me like bones have ears. Yeah, they, do. They, they had ears, they heard. Yeah. They heard and so they responded. Yeah. Your mountain has ears. <laughs> your cancer has ears. Your diabetes has ears. Your, 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 your struggles in your family, they have ears. Whatever you're facing, your pain has ears. Yeah. And your situation awaits your instruction. Yeah. You've got to speak to it. If you don't speak to it, it's going to stay the same. So it's waiting your instruction because it's got ears and it will respond as you speak. Then verse nine says, prophesy to the breath. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. By the Spirit of God, the valley of dry bones became an exceedingly great army. The breath and wind that came then was just like the day of Pentecost. When the wind and the fire of God came, the early church disciples were baptized in the Holy Spirit they went and turned the world upside down. As I conclude, Ezekiel 37 is not just a person dismembered. 
was, it was an army. It was once a fighting machine. The Western church once marched triumphantly, but no longer. It's time, friends, for you and I, and we can all do this, to prophesy to the dry bones, to prophesy to the church of New Zealand, as we do, some musicians would come, as we do, friends, I believe there'll be a rattling. The bones will start to come together. Breath will come into them. God's people will worship in spirit and in truth. The Holy Spirit will be poured out and the church will arise an exceedingly great army and there will be a revival and New Zealand will turn to Jesus Christ. And in the end, we will win in Jesus' name. And everyone said...